चैप्टर सिक्सटीन श्रीमद भगवद गीता वर्सेस थर्टीन टू सिक्सटीन दिस हैज बीन गेन्ड बाई मी टूडे दिस डिज़ायर आई शैल ऑप्टेन दिस इज माइन एंड दिस वेल्थ ऑल्सो शैल बी माइन इन द फ्यूचर दैर एनिमी हैज़ बीन स्लेन बाई मी एंड अदर्स ऑल्सो शैल आई स्ले आई एम द लॉर्ड I enjoy I am successful powerful and happy I am rich I am well born who is equal to me I will sacrifice I will give I will rejoice thus deluded by ignorance bewildered by many a fancy covered by the meshes of delusion addicted to the gratification of lust they fall down into a foul hell so that's the description of those with asuri prakriti the demonic disposition so the questioner says i see that most of us have a mixture of both asurika and the divine devia state why does this mixture exist why do we switch back and forth also the deeper i get into the scriptures the more i see that it is the same with my family i'm torn between limiting my contact with them to improving my ability to purify myself and between my duty to care for them how to come out of this situation all right so why do we switch back and forth between the two states there is no answer to this because the only causing agent is your choice if you do something and you ask the other why do i do it what can he say he will say it's your choice that's what you do maybe it's an unconscious choice then the answer is that just as right now you appear to be quite conscious while asking this question what's the question why do we switch back and forth between the asuri and the devi state between the demonic and the divine state similarly you should remain equally conscious when you are making those switches when those switches happen in your mind those times are you conscious right now as you are asking me this question see how alert you are you are wide eyed you are eager you want to know you want to receive you are alert you are looking at things you are so receptive right now when you are asking me this question and what's your question why do i slip back from a deity why do i turn into a demon but that's only right now when you indeed did slip into the demonic state had you had any consciousness you had no consciousness and even letting your consciousness recede is a choice consider an example 
you slap someone in a drunken state or abuse him or do something else that is equally silly and then later on when you are confronted you want to save your face saying oh but i didn't do that consciously it happened in spite of me i just didn't know i slipped all right seems like a valid argument at that moment when you abused and slapped the other you indeed were probably unconscious right but was the decision to turn unconscious to taken in an unconscious state getting the question at 2 am hmm you slapped the other and then when you are questioned you say oh i didn't do it on choice it just happened i was drunk all right you were unconscious but you were quite conscious at midnight hmm when you chose to start drinking that's when the champagne was opened was it not and were you drunk when you started drinking no so even the choice to turn unconscious is a conscious choice drinking is a great example is it not now you could say well you see sir your argument is not fully valid because had i been fully conscious even at midnight why would i take a decision to turn unconscious all right fine so why did you take a decision to turn unconscious what was then the overriding influence on you you will say well you see all these friends uh, they they just hopped in and because they were here so we decided to have some drinks all right who allowed those friends to enter your life who was the one who termed them as friends in the first place and if those friends indeed turned in uninvited did you not have the choice to send them back so even if you keep on presenting a series of excuses you will find that it is always a choice to remain conscious or unconscious or to turn progressively unconscious it is always a choice and it is your choice therefore you cannot ask why does it happen if you will ask me why does it happen i'll turn the question back to you i'll ask why did you do it why do you do it and if you will go deeper into the question if you will keep probing the chain bit by bit 
you will find that ultimately you will come to your flawed concepts about your life. It will probably stop at that, if it has to stop anywhere at all. You will find that your basic philosophy of life is flawed. And your basic philosophy of life is what defines you as a human being. All animals are alike. I'm talking of all individuals of a particular species. They are all alike, are they not? You won't find them very different. All right, each dog has his own unique personality, but the differences in their personalities are minimal, aren't they? Hmm? Whereas you'll find a great difference between the personalities of dogs and wolves, or jackals and foxes. Great difference. Within a particular species, all members would be largely alike. But that's not so in the case of human beings. Human beings differ greatly because human beings are the only species that have the power, the ability, the freedom, the privilege to choose their central life philosophy. What your central life philosophy is separates you from the other. Otherwise, at the level of the body, we are all largely alike. You have two eyes, so have I. You are born, you live for X years. Quite similar is my story at the physical level. Still, human beings are tremendously different from each other. It would be quite a stretch upon the imagination to say that a Krishna, for example, is very similar to the lousy lout roaming the streets. You can't say that, can you? Men differ greatly among themselves. What is the difference? The difference is, what is it that you believe in? Right philosophy and you have a great person. Wrong philosophy and you have a totally distorted specimen. Unfortunately, most of us just don't have the right center, the right philosophy. That right philosophy is found at such places, some places. Those places are called spiritual scriptures. The rishis were essentially philosophers of life. And they gave a great and exalted philosophy. Philosophy of a stature that no other philosopher has been able to match at all. You have had several others coming after them. You had philosophers in all corners of the world. But nobody has been able, for example, to match the philosophy of Advaita Vedanta. All right, you may not want to agree to Advaita Vedanta, but at least have some philosophy at your core. Some reasonable, coherent philosophy. Most people 
live their entire lives by very, very ramshackle, fragmented and horrible philosophies. They are not even conscious what their philosophy really is. Though if you observe their life, you will be able to say, see, when this kind of a thing happens, then he responds in this way. When that kind of a thing happens, he reacts in this way. So putting these two together, I can see what his philosophy is like. If you can watch somebody's actions, his thoughts, his life, you will be clearly seeing what his life philosophy is. And there is a central philosophy. But most people do not even know what their central philosophy is. Because their central philosophy, unfortunately, was ingrained in them, implanted in them, when they were just too young. They were conditioned by education and family and society and so many other things. They took in that philosophy and started believing in it as the ultimate truth. And that philosophy incapacitated them to an extent. It made them mentally, intellectually handicapped to an extent that they are not even able to now perceive and detect that philosophy, let alone question it. Are you getting it? And it is their philosophy that works for them, decides for them, speaks for them, lives for them. In a very horrible way, obviously. Are you getting it? You must ask yourself, what is my philosophy? What do I live by? What's my internal compass? What's my inner equation or formula? And we all have one. Don't say, I can't detect any because I don't have any. You too have something. Find it out, dig it out. And when you will find it out, you might be amazed. It might be so rotten, so distorted, you will be left wondering how come you lived by this for so long. Are you getting it? And that is the reason I emphasize so much on the scriptures. That which you call as divine revelations or the word of God, that word of God is actually just a top-notch philosophy. Probably the best philosophy that is possible. We all deserve to read it. We all deserve to learn it. Obviously, it's upon our discretion. But at least go to it. Compare it with your inner existing embedded philosophy. And the conclusion would be obvious. There is a tremendous difference between the clarity that they offer and the darkness that we contain. Are you getting it? That's the reason why most people keep switching between all these states. Because the central philosophy itself is quite rudimentary and, and dysfunctional. It doesn't allow them to operate consciously, energetically, pointedly in the right direction. It's a mixture of influences really. 
what do you call a philosophy that has one paragraph taken from kant the next one from hegel third one from schopenhauer fourth from voltaire and 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 i'm talking of big names here even if you take four paragraphs from these four greats the combination might still mean something meaningful but what if your philosophy consists of 40 paragraphs one taken from your geography teacher of class 7 one taken from your cousin who managed to clear a particular college entrance exam one taken from a cartoon show that you watched in class 3 one taken from the community bully who bashed you up when you were class 4 and after bashing you up he had proclaimed some golden words upon you just to add insult to injury and you took those words quite literally and seriously and turned them into your totem such is our philosophy we do not even know where it comes from it's a very jumbled up mass hmm? a jumbled up mass of mangled visions then i see that the same is the case with my family as well so i'm torn between limiting my contact with my family and improving my ability to purify myself and between my duty to care for them all right you don't really have to see it as an either or situation being what you are you are experiencing the dilemma or the crisis that you are remember that crisis is a function of who you are whatever you experience is a function of who you are when you will change your experience of the crisis itself will change in other words the crisis may no more remain at all you say right now i am in a crisis i am confused and the other one is confused i do not know whose confusion to clear first that's your question should i clear up his confusion should i focus on my own improvement that's what you are asking if you are confused then obviously this question too is confused if you are confused then the two options that you are generating for yourself both of them are obviously confused options so you forget all about the situation focus on your own improvement get some clarity first of all if you do not know what the situation is how can you improve it if you do not know what a thing is like how can you change it even if you want to change something you have to first of all be in your senses and understand what the thing is all about 
when you know the stuff that is going on within you and around you then you will be in a far better position to do something about it if something is needed at all